0: Okay,
1: offense. Let's pull it together real quick. Hey,
2: defense over
1: here. Yeah, defense. Okay, offense. It, in general, we're, we're doing really good. There's a couple times there we're just we're just not catching the ball. You know, if you make the catch, like make sure you catch it before you try to shoot. I know guys are, are getting open, but um, you're not gonna be able to shoot if you, if the ball's not on your stick. So concentrate on catching the ball, and then turn around and, and make it rip. That's the only thing, fellas, is just uh, catching and, and finishing. So catch and then shoot. Other than that, let's just keep working the offense, keep moving the ball like we've been moving. The goals will start coming, guys, if we if we just catch and shoot. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. All right, everything, everybody doing all right out there? Yes, sir. All right, let's just do it, fellas. Let's, go, let's, go, let's, let's go play good time. lacrosse, good fundamental sound lacrosse. Let's go. Nice right,
2: on three! One, two, three! Nice. All right.
0: This is Steve Wilmer, and welcome back to Restless the Podcast. I'm with Luke Wilmer tonight, our co-host and producer of the show. You know, the clip that you just heard, the audio clip, was taken from one of the lacrosse games from Coach Joe, who's our special guest tonight, and you'll hear a couple more throughout the show, and I think you will really will enjoy him and him as well, and the story he's going to tell you. If you want to contact us, you can do that at info at restlesspodcast.com, or better yet, go to our website, at RestlessPodcast.com, and you can look through that, and there's a section where it says tell your story. You know what? We would love to hear from you because the power of stories are incredible.
3: Again, this is Luke, and welcome back from me as well. Uh, Tonight we are happy to have uh, Joe with us, and Joe has been a lacrosse coach for high school for about 30 years and, more importantly, been a member of Young Life staff for Going on 40. And Joe's story is unique in that not only is his personal story incredibly compelling, but he's had a unique window into the lives of countless others throughout his years and discipling and mentoring young men in young life. And so Joe has many stories to tell and each of them are very rich. And uh, I got to say myself that uh, Joe has been a very important figure in my own life. So having him now on a... Now on my own show here is uh means a lot to me as well. Uh Joe, we're we're so happy to have you. Please tell us your story and the, the many others that you have witnessed. And Luke, if I could just jump
0: in right here that uh we've known Joe for, for a little while as well. And what's interesting about him is that he of course has been on Young Life staff over the years and he is kind of now one of the senior or the sages of, of staff who a lot of young staff people go to and Want to get the wisdom of the wise one about how to do young life and and that's cool, but what's unique about Joe he's developed and has a unique way of developing relationships with high school kids and We had the privilege of actually going to one of his lacrosse games by the way, he is now working on his third straight, undefeated season at the high school as a lacrosse coach, and he has a unique way in the same way that he develops relationships with kids at club, he does that on the field with lacrosse players. And what that has led to is some really successful seasons. As I was saying, he's going on his third straight undefeated season. He's one game away from that of doing that again. But he's also had a a past of success in winning in lacrosse. And I'm not just saying winning and beating other teams, but his ability to develop relationships that are meaningful that translate into life itself. And that's, Joe, where we want to go tonight. How did that journey begin for you as a younger man? What What was the beginning of your journey that eventually led you to coming to know the person of Christ? And how from there did you get to do what you're doing right now? Sounds good. Yeah. So okay. take us on the journey.
1: Sure. Well, I went to uh, high school. While in high school, I played football and basketball. I was involved with athletics and kind of like a typical kind of high school person. Uh like to have a lot of fun, but my background in high school, you know, I enjoyed friends, uh, but also, you know, got involved with some stuff that typical high school kids may get involved with, but kind of like the partying type scene, not heav- heavily, but, you know, my life was just kind of like just just going along. A you know, real sense of purpose or, or real meaning. Girlfriends, playing poker with the guys, you know, going out partying on weekends and uh, and sports. School was low on my list in terms of academics. But I, I made it through high school. As a miracle. A miracle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my senior year, there was a couple that moved in behind our high school in an apartment complex near Pat and John. And I was out on the football field, and at night they would sit out there on their balcony and have a coffee or a drink, and they were young life leaders. And God laid on their heart the kids and the students that were at Franklin because there was no Young Life Club there. So Pat and John started to pray and start to care about the kids at the school, and I was one of them out on the football field practicing. So what happened was um, Pat and John started to uh spend time at the school, and they started to come to games, and um particularly uh, basketball games. We were into the basketball season, and I was on the team, and I was introduced to them through my best friend, Mike Wilmer, who... I had been friends with since uh, fifth grade, and Mike had met John and Pat and his girlfriend at the time, Ann, and they started talking about this thing called Young Life. So um, Mike would invite me to go to a Young Life club that was uh, at another town for a number of weeks, and I kept saying, no, I don't want to go to that thing Sounds kind of strange, uh, <laughs> singing songs with uh, you and your girlfriend, a bunch of people that I don't know. Um, but Mike was persistent, and and then when he actually went to start the very first Young Life Club at Franklin, which was going to be at Ann's house, Mike called me that night and said, I want you to go, and I said, no, and he said, I'm coming to get you, so he hung up, and then I called him back. and said, Mike, if you want me to go that, that bad, I'll, I'll go. So I went to my very first Young Life Club, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was um, a lot of fun, and I was really drawn in by John, this, who gave a message at the end. It's probably the first time in my life i ever heard anyone talk about Christ in a way that was understandable to me. That was kind of like one of my terms, and the unique thing about that, too, was that I had seen John at my basketball games, you know, I was introduced to him, and he seemed like a pretty neat guy, you know, found out that he played football and lacrosse in college at Western Maryland College, and so he was uh, athletic and related to me, and uh, I enjoyed talking with him, so... That spring, I uh, continued to go to the Young Life Club, and then that summer, they were going to go on a trip to Silver Cliff Ranch in Colorado, Young Life Camp. I was, of course, very new to Young Life; I didn't really know much about the camps and things like that. And I was supposed to go to uh, or on vacation with my girlfriend to Florida, but. We uh, ended up breaking up, and I couldn't go to the Young Life camp because of the part of vacation. And when we broke up, I was talking to John after one of the Young Life clubs and telling him about it. And John just got this huge smile on his face, and I got ticked off at him because my heart was kind of broken. And he just smiled and said, you can go to Colorado now. So
0: so you just had your girlfriend break up with you and he thought that was kind of like well he was smiling about it and that that didn't go over well with you.
1: No, no not not at the time. Um, but I um when he said Colorado that just appealed to me. It's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go out west, through the Rocky Mountains and I immediately was interested in going on that trip." So I ended up Going on that on the trip to Colorado, and it just there it just dramatically changed my life based on what I experienced. But the most important thing, I saw Christ in a way um, both through words and actions from the people there that I, I'd never experienced before.
0: And you would say up up to that time, Joe, that you really didn't have a good understanding who Jesus was, other than occasional attending church. Nor did you care, but I think you had once mentioned, as we talked to you about this, is that you were getting into the drinking scene and maybe even some pot or something like that.
1: Yeah, that, that is true. I um, pretty much had no no problem, you know, hanging out with friends, and if there was a uh, drinking involved, uh, you know, I, I would I would get drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes wonder how in the heck I. Made it home. There's many times I was in you know, vehicles with people who were also drinking, and and then um, I wouldn't say I was heavily into drugs, but um, if there were, if there was marijuana or some of the other types of uh, drugs at the time that people had, you know, I'd, i I sure I went to have a good time, and I was kind of like a crazy. Fun-loving kind of person that, that would just kind of join in and so forth. So, uh, so that definitely was part of of who I was. Um, but I would say sports and probably my my girlfriend was probably the primary emphasis, along with you know, my my friends uh, on I, the teams. And all that was the beginning of the change. C- correct. So while there at camp, actually there was uh, someone who brought some marijuana with them, some drugs and. Uh, not something that you know I necessarily would bring to camp, but after a couple of days this this uh, person said, "Hey, you want to go out in the in the woods and smoke some pot and I was like, "Sure um however i uh in some ways, I saw myself in this other person, and I thought you know, there's gotta be just more to mm. to life than just you know wanting to have fun and, and there's sort of like an emptiness." connected with um with the party and that, that type of stuff so halfway through the week he had, had he had some other type of drugs and offered it to me and and I said no because I was having a really good time and probably by that point in time I started to see that there was just something different mm. that the people here were uh, talking about there was something in their lives that that I didn't have and of course, uh, almost three-quarters of the way through the week, I, I realized what that was was their, their faith, mm. that they had Christ in, in their life, and that they were different people based on their, their personal belief in, in who Jesus was. So that message that I heard and saw lived out by the people there Really, you know, got my attention, and so uh, one night in the cabin, um, we would talk at night, you know, after the, the clubs and so forth. Have a couple questions, and this particular night, two of the workers, work crew people, came in to our cabin and shared their stories, and they were high school people, and um, anyway, they it got my attention because they were a peer, and. As they shared their story, you know, I realized that our faith isn't just something that that we grew up with or something that's in our mind, but it's something that we believe in our heart. So I actually interrupted them halfway through their story because I understood that, hey, it's a matter of believing in your heart, taking what's in your mind and believing that in your heart. And I really did... um, Believe at that point in time during their their message, so for me, it was kind of like a, a light bulb went off mm. it was like aha th- that's it this this is something that's that's personal that that you have to believe in your in your own heart that's something that you do, you know not somebody else or what you grew up with or following your parents or whatever and so I really understood that um and I would say, believed in my heart for the, for the first time. So I actually interrupted them and said, hey, I'm, I'm a Christian. Mm. <laughs> and they they kind of like looked at me and and John actually looked at me and I knew that he, he wasn't sure about what I was saying, but I, I was sure. And I realized that he doesn't believe what I'm saying, but I knew it was real. You know, it was 100% genuine and real. So that next morning... John took me down to the camp store, and I, I bought a Bible. And I was just enthralled with with it. Like John said, you should start reading the Gospel of John. You read about the the life of Christ. And so while I camped, and then we had a three-day bus ride home, I started reading the Gospel of John. And it was like reading a, a novel. Mm-hmm. I was just so... Uh, enthralled with, with the story of Christ, like you know, reading it for the first time um, myself, and and with my personality and so forth, I um, an interesting thing. I read John three, which was talking about the whole aspect of what it means to uh, to be born again mm. and you know have a, a new life in Christ. And so we were at a truck stop, and. I went in and bought a couple packs of cigars, (laughs) and I uh, came out and started handing them out to everybody and and to John. And I said, hey, have a cigar. I'm a brand-new baby Christian Mm. because I understood the idea of, of being, you know, born again. And I just remember all of us just lighting up cigars, and John lit up a cigar, and he was just smiling and laughing because he knew that that my my life was 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 just getting started, mm. and um, he saw the the uh, the the newness and the excitement that I had. So that that was um, my way of kind of like starting my my journey. Well, that's cool. Reading the Bible and smoking a cigar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. And I have to ask you, Joe. You know it what What changed what about hearing the Word of Christ now at this moment versus having heard it as a kid growing up in whatever pieces you got it what what changed for you? What made this genuine and, and, and before that not
1: I think uh obviously I think you know god's uh, spirit, his holy spirit, I think works in our in our lives and uh Reveals the truth to us. And I think, um again, just hear, hearing that message in a personal way and understanding that, you know, Jesus wants to know us personally and that all the sin in my life that was based on um, just living for myself and, you know, being selfish and, um, you know, doing things like, you know, like partying and, and um the stuff that would leave an emptiness in me and that kind of thing. I think um hearing that message, you know, God's spirit and then seeing it in the lives of, of those who were there, like I knew that, they, that there was just something different about them. Hmm. And so f- for me it was it was kind of like a I saw it in word or I heard it in words and saw it in actions and it was real it was it was genuine, so it was very clear to me that that you know your faith can be real, mm. and so that there is just that immediate kind of change, Of course, you're going home, and I'm going back to many of my uh, friends and those that I you know would hang out with and and party with, and so forth, so there certainly is a, a process that takes place and I remember after being home a couple of weeks, I wasn't quite as excited and John just kind of chuckled a little bit and said, well, you know, you were sort of like on a spiritual high. Mm-hmm. Now it's the real life. Mm. And one thing I, I did is I really paid attention and listened to what John had to say. Like I respected him so much. So, anything he said, I uh, really took to heart and took as, as truth and something that, that uh, I needed to do. So, thank goodness John asked me to help out with the Young Life Club that had just started. Because I think if I wasn't connected in some way with a, a mentoring type person, someone that was going to help me along, you know, I could have gotten off track again in college. But hmm. that. Connection with uh, being able to spend a lot of time with John and Pat and to help them out, I think really kind of kept me on track. But it took me about six months in terms of the partying and stuff to finally realize, you know, it's not something that should be a part of me anymore. Mm -hmm. So there really was a, uh, a distinct night where, you know, I was out and, you know, drinking. It was like a New Year's Eve and, um and, you know, there, there was some pot smoking and so forth and I um actually I would seldom get sick when I would party, but that night for some reason I, I got sick and I remember in my mind thinking that this is just um this isn't who I am anymore. And really from that night on I've never been drunk or have used any type of drug whatsoever. But part of that was reading Scripture. Hmm. So I was reading in Galatians and it was talking about the the acts of the uh, spiritual nature and of the sinful nature. And it talked about that those that kind of continue uh, gratifying their sinful nature and they mentioned things like, you know, drinking and just a lot of behavior that's connected with that. It says that... Um, those people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. Uh, theologically, um, hey, you cannot lose your salvation. But as a young believer, I read that and I thought, you know, I've, I've got to be, this is either real to me and I'm going to be serious about it or it's not. And so that conviction from reading that is what enabled me to just turn turn around and to pursue a path that, that was different than what I was on. So my, you know, my friends change, relationships change. And I began spending a lot more time with, uh, with those who were were following Christ Hmm. through primarily through at first through, through young life. Um, but based on that too, I was then introduced to a, a church that was, very instrumental in my spiritual growth mm. and basically through the the teaching of the pastor, you know, Mark. Mm. And I just started to take all that in and I guess just started to grow, you know, through through that as well as going to uh young life leadership. So that year I continued to go to young life leadership and that Summer, the summer after the summer I went to Colorado would be the first time that I actually would go as a leader. So I was uh, growing. Thank goodness John and Pat took me under their wings because, boy, I was about as raw as you p- possibly could be. But I was excited about my faith and just remember uh, bringing a lot of people to the Young Life Club at Franklin, which was now. Uh, in, into its second year. That February was about a year. And then I um, had this Ford Pinto, and I would have so many guys in there that one night the uh, tower went flat. Mm. And actually, Steve, you were one of them. Yeah. And I
0: remember making it go flat. We had <laughs> yeah. just eaten a whole lot of big, big, big dinner there.
1: But I remember the weekend... You know, before that that summer, uh, when we did weekend camp to Gettysburg, and again, I still wasn't quite getting it, so the the night that they talked about the cross and Jesus' death and the significance of that, I was all excited about going and trying to find pizza to bring back to the room, so I remember uh, coming back with these pizzas. I had to walk probably about a mile into the town to find this pizza place that was open, and... I was so excited that I was going to come back to the room full of guys and uh, give them pizza. And I remember walking in there and everyone was talking about Jesus' death and what it meant. And, again, I I wasn't even at that point in time even that much aware that that um, you'd have a, a cabin time type thing, even though I had that at the you know, summer camp. And so I remember going in there and everyone had these solemn looks on their faces. I was like, What happened? Did (laughs) somebody die? Again, I was just a a new person in Christ that wasn't quite that far along yet. But um, but by that summertime, um, again, you know, I just continued to grow through uh, leadership training. Went to a training camp uh, weekend, four day weekend type thing at Saranac. First time I'd ever been to Saranac. And this was uh, the spring of 1974, but um, the interesting thing, after we had a trip to Windy Gap, and about July, after that trip, the trip was in June, all of a sudden, uh, John and Pat are talking to me, and they said, um, we're going to go back and lead the Young Life Club at Westminster. You're going to take over Franklin's club, you and and Mike and Ann. Hmm. And I was like, what? It was, first of all, just unbelievable to think that, that, you know, I would actually be a leader that would actually lead the club. But John and Pat, I guess they, who knows what they saw in me, but they saw something that Hmm. they were going to entrust me as being, uh, an actual leader that actually would do things. So uh, I bought a uh, guitar, like that July, and literally, like between July and September, I learned how to play the guitar to to at least play some of the Young Life songs. And then the uh, leadership changed, the area director uh, changed for Baltimore, and thank goodness the new uh, area director, Newt, knew that I was just like a greenhorn and <laughs> needed help, so uh so Betsy was the female staff person in Baltimore, and knew team me up with Betsy, thank goodness,
0: yeah, you guys were just i mean weeks and months out of high school right
1: yeah correct and and I had only known the Lord for a little bit more than a year, and what ended up happening actually Mike ended up uh, going to another club at
2: um,
1: Milford Mill and Betsy and I really were the the primary leaders Mm. there at Franklin so I uh, just grew tremendously just having that responsibility and Betsy was just great so she really helped me along and you know started giving Young Life talks and started playing guitar and started to do some of the humor that's connected with Young Life and and the good thing about it all is that um something was was working because mm-hmm. kids uh, continued to come and you know our club would you know would grow and you know we would at, at one point um I guess maybe a year from that time had like over 100 kids that came to the club. Mm. And we'd have a weekend camp uh, up in New Jersey where um We would have the most guys on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, I was like thrust into this situation. But, you know, I had to rely on God and the people around me that would encourage me and believed in me. So that kind of started my my volunteer leader uh, career that years later— uh, within six years when I went to graduate from college. It took me six years, but I made it.
0: <laughs> and that was kind of the third miracle, first high school. Right. <laughs> then you came to know the Lord. Then three, you graduated from college, third miracle. Correct.
1: Didn't really get serious about college till probably my— uh, Last month there. My- <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And, of course, I then met my uh my wife. Mm at Young Life Leadership, combination of that, and college. Um, but by the time I was, was a senior, I believed that God had used me, and at that point I still hadn't really grown a whole lot. I'm not really sure uh, how I discipled guys. I guess I kind of taught them what I knew, which wasn't much, but maybe because of just my excitement and my passion about it that um, guys would would respond to the things that we did and things that I, I talked about and so forth. And so, um, so Newt and other leaders and, and people in Young Life, I guess by the time, you know, I got to my senior year in college, uh, they just started seeing something in, in me. And so they asked me at that point in time to uh, – well, actually, three years before I got out of college, uh, Newt asked me to go on a student staff. so that mm-hmm. was my first involvement in terms of employment with young life. So basically, I was just a, a leader that got paid a little bit of money to, uh, to do some extra type work, so we would I would help Newt with weekend camps and things like that and that type of thing. But then by my my uh, senior year. After three years of being on student staff, uh, I was asked to consider going on the young life staff. So it's something I I uh, prayed about and really thought of, thought about that and wanted it to definitely be something that was in God's will It was a calling as opposed to you know just wanting to do something just to do it. Mm. So I really really did feel a, a strong calling and. I Think the main thing for me in my life at that point, you know, I thought gosh, there are thousands and thousands of high school kids just like I was that don't have a clue of who Christ is. And they may say that they believe in God and maybe they go to church occasionally or maybe maybe even regularly. But then there's a lot of also high school kids that were totally disconnected that maybe they, you know, never went to a church. And, and I thought, who, who is going to reach those kids? If there isn't someone like a, a John and Pat that's willing to go to the high school into their world, you know, what chance do they, they really have? And so that, that call in and that, desire in my heart because God had changed my life so much and I was so much appreciative of people that took the time to get to know me and to build a relationship with me. That 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 was just ingrained in my, my heart and I would say in my soul. And so I thought I can't think of anything better to do with my life than to to be in the battle, you know, to help kids uh know who, who Christ is. Mm. And really felt like if there wasn't anything, you know, like God can use anything, but um, I just felt like the tool of of young life that actually gets you involved in in their world, where they're at, you know, like the farthest kid out, like I was in high school, like it it just can't be anything better than to give yourself away to something like that. So Hmm. it was a pretty strong calling for me, and I felt very honored and privileged that someone thought enough about me to, to think that I could actually be on full-time staff. So I trained in Baltimore for a year under Newt and hundreds and hundreds of fun stories, but very spiritually significant stories too. It could take a couple of days to talk about it all, but um, then at the end of my, my year of uh, being a full-time staff in Baltimore, I was asked to consider going to Carroll County. So this is about 1980. And they had had young life in Carroll County, but uh, the staff person was doing part-time Carroll, part-time Frederick. And there had been some really strong ministry and clubs the 10 years prior to that, but not consistent staff uh, leadership. So I was asked to, uh, to interview and Karen and I uh, were married. The I guess the September after we graduated from college, and she happened to get a job that was in Carroll County, and so it just seemed like, all right, seems like this is something that God wants us to do. So we uh, interviewed, went to Carroll County, and prayed about it, and then uh, the committee at the time. Gave us the invitation to come to Carroll County. So hmm. fall of uh, 1980, we moved into an apartment across from Westminster High School, hmm. and that began our time on staff in Carroll County.
0: Wow. And so here we are today. Correct. A number of years later, and you're still going at it, and seeing as as one of the older sages who still is the guy to go to and have those large clubs about is winning the hearts of kids and getting them to, to club, period. And you also have, over the years, been consistent about how many kids you take to camp every year. Now, why is it you have that connection?
1: Well, I think for me, my strength has always been the direct ministry and again it, it was based on how significant and meaningful it it was to me when when i was in high school that someone would would care about enough about me to get to know me for mm-hmm. the purpose to introduce christ so my strength has always been the direct ministry i would say um in young life it'd be called contact work but just the relational connection that you make with kids and going to the school and making yourself available and giving people opportunity. And hopefully that they, through a relationship and getting to know them, that they would then in turn, uh, as they would be invited to and perhaps would come to a Young Life Club, like that would be meaningful and special to them. So, So that grassroots uh passion for direct ministry has always been my strength. So I, I love building relationships with high school guys, you know, reaching out to them, having fun, hopefully building a relationship in a way that that they would get an opportunity to, to come to new Christ.
0: So you look at these high school kids, particularly the guys, and you see you, don't you? You see you from years back.
1: Correct. Yeah absolutely. And what's kept me involved is again, you know, I think who who's going out there, you know, trying to reach these guys? And of course, you know, the girls in the school, the high school people and every year there's thousands of, of freshmen that come in that don't have a clue. Hmm. Like I like I didn't have a clue really of who Christ really is. So that um that just has always compelled me to, to, you know, to stay involved. Uh, not that it depends on me, but in terms of giving yourself away to something that's worth something, it's like, gosh, just couldn't think of, of anything better. So I just love going up to the school and getting to know a bunch of guys. And, and then through those relationships, things like young life camps and weekends, and it's kind of like you're you bring everybody along with uh, something that's meaningful to you that you're having fun with and things like my interest in sports and um, the opportunities that I've had to coach lacrosse and things like that. um, I would just bring guys uh, along with me, Mm. you know, go to games, you know, hang out. Um, My wife, Karen and I were uh, obviously strong partners in what we were doing and, she did an incredible job building relationships with high school girls, and so our home was just open and kids would come over all the time, yeah. And uh, but it, there had to be a beginning to it. And I remember when we moved into the apartments across from Westminster High School, I didn't know a single person, mm. so something significant was that, um, you know, I would go over to the high school and You'd be anxious and nervous and you wouldn't know anybody. But I wasn't alone because I knew that God was calling me and that He was inside of me. And I remember going to the stadium behind the school and sitting in the stands and just praying. It's like, Lord, I, I don't know anybody in the school. You know, it's a huge school. But even at that time, I thought, you know, one day young life is going to be very much known in the school not a young life but obviously the lord and that one day there's going to be a young life club there that's going to be happening where we're going to have over 100 kids from westminster there i really felt strongly that that was going to happen Hmm. and that kind of just pushed me to keep going And, and the exciting thing about that is Within a, like a little over a year after that time, you know, started to get to know a couple kids and um, and it's kind of like where coaching comes in with lacrosse because mm. I, uh, that spring, the first year I was at Westminster in Carroll County, the uh, head lacrosse coach you who know, I had gotten to know through just being up at the, at the school and you know, getting to know kids and so forth, uh, asked me to coach. And I'd never coached before, nor had I ever played on a lacrosse team before.
0: Mm. And you you didn't play in high school?
1: No, because our school did not have a team.
0: Lacrosse it, hadn't been invented yet at your high school. Well, it, <laughs> it was invented. Right long, after it, the Civil War. Yeah, long ago the with the Indians. But, uh, mm-hmm.
1: um, but Franklin did not have a team. And so, actually, my senior year, they got equipment, but there was no coach and oh, wow. no real team and uh so i became a player coach Mm. and we actually had one game and we practiced for a week and i i got a bunch of guys together a bunch of my football buddies and stuff and and we um played a game against hereford high school and i was like the very first person ever to face off in a game won the face off and and we won the game and we beat hereford and, wow. and John came out and was on the sideline. This is before mm-hmm. I went on that Colorado trip. And um, I think if lacrosse had been at the school, I th- it would have perfectly fit me. Mm-hmm. You know, my athleticism and uh, the, like, contact because of football, you know, play basketball really well. And the combination of all those things happens in lacrosse. But, you know, I never had an opportunity to really play other than that one— Game.
0: Wow, and that—that's what set it all off, huh?
1: Yep. So I started out there, then um, coaching at Westminster. No real training in in uh, in coaching, other than you know what I'd seen in terms of my football and mm-hmm. basketball coaches. And I didn't really—I I knew about lacrosse, but not all the ins and outs of it. Certainly, I, I didn't know all the X and O's and and that type of thing. But you know, you just start to pick up stuff as you would talk to people and that kind of thing. And and I kind of coached like a football team. <laughs> yeah. And what was interesting about that is we um, the first year we we weren't real successful. We were um, we won four games. We were like four and eight. Mm-hmm. But I was having a lot of fun. I yeah. think the guys had fun with me. I think I was a um, a good coach, but, you know, we had, we practiced hard, but, you know, we also had a really good time. And then what was very interesting, I took what I learned, learned that first season, and then the very next season, our team was 10-2.
0: Wow, so you go from a team that only won four games, it was 4-8, and eight, to 10-2 and two the next season. Correct. Were you still having fun?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was a little bit more uh, confident. And what I found out was the guys on the team responded to my leadership. And basically, I was building relationships with them just like I would with, you know, any high school person through Young Life. Hmm. So I, you know, spent a lot of time with them. And um, I think they knew that I cared about them and that I wanted them to be successful across players, but it sort of like began, not the idea, but My main heartbeat, which was, gosh, I want them to be successful in life, Hmm. not just be good lacrosse players. But
0: so that's the philosophy that you always had, that you brought to whether it's the Young Life ministry that you were doing, you brought it to the lacrosse experience as well.
1: Correct. Yeah, and I got to know a couple guys that, um, because of of coaching and the opportunities to build relationships and. The uh, friendships that were built, you know, they came to Young Life and ended up going to camp. And it just worked hand in hand in terms of uh, uh, coaching and, um, again, having fun with the guys and giving myself away to them, but with them enjoying themselves. And I guess they saw something in me, perhaps. Same type of thing that I saw in John Gertzmeier, Mm. just somebody who really did care about them Mm. and didn't want them just to be good lacrosse players, but there was something more uh, to offer. And some of those guys uh, then became involved and came to know Christ. And therefore, the Young Life Club at Westminster just then really started to take off. So, some of those guys that ended up going to camp, they, uh, when Young Life started, and their lives were impacted, and they came to a life changing faith and something that became very meaningful to them, just like my relationship with Christ became meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. They kind of took that vision
2: and. Um, yeah.
0: And. and- let let me ask you this so you had the philosophy of building relationships with high school kids in ministry but what is the end result of that obviously it's to have a relationship with Christ and it was more than just about having a big club i mean in the end really what did you want for these high school kids i mean about life as when it comes to life
1: well i wanted them to live life to the full, Mm -hmm. experience life the way God intended it to be. Mm -hmm. And, of course, at that time, you know, 1980, 81, I mean, that's almost 40 years ago. So now I kind of see it in a having four decades of being involved, Mm -hmm. uh, how, again, significant and meaningful it is to go through life, you know, knowing Christ and having that that purpose and that that foundation that's going to help you to live life to the full. And so that's the, the joy I have now. That's cool. You know, I can look at the guys who, you know, and the girls whose lives were, have changed. And that group of guys, again, they reached out to the, their friends at the school. Yeah, And, again, it's not about the numbers, but... You have to give people an opportunity, and, you know, if you have a club of 100 or more people or, you know, what ended up happening, we took almost 80 guys, I think it it was 80 guys to a Young Life weekend camp in Ocean City. Mm. There's lacrosse guys I'd gotten to know, you know, Reed being one of them, you know, Matt and Bill, they just uh, brought the entire football team. Mm on a weekend camp, and the exciting thing is the fruit from those times are you know, evident today Yeah, as, as their lives were, were changed. So many of them went on to be Young Life leaders, you know, read as a pastor of a, a you know, great church.
0: Can I ask you, Joe, I mean, you did this for 40 years. I mean, there were high points and there were low points with it, too. I mean, what, what are some of the struggles, too, that as a guy who is an area director, involved in kids' lives all the time, all times of the day. What are some of the things and the challenges that you had to overcome for you and also what you witnessed from them?
1: Well, I would say that um, we're only uh, so gifted with who we are and the things that we're, we're really good with. And for ministry to be successful, you really do need Team of people, mm. you know, like the other uh, leaders that become involved, and the young life committee, and there's a lot of relationship building that takes place. And so, uh, many of the challenges would would involve the cycle of ministry as people would would come and go. So you can spend a couple of years, you know, building some relationships, let's say on the committee or the leadership team that you you. Uh, you know, God uses you to put together and then as those people move on you know, to other places, um, maybe they move out of the area and that kind of thing, it's, it's, it's kind of like you're the cycle of ministry, then you're, you're kind of like starting over. Mm. Um, so that, that's probably the, the biggest challenge is it's constantly changing. There's ebbs and flows. And so I think faithfulness in the long haul is critical. So I have to remember those days when, you know, there wasn't a hundred people come to the club and you're by yourself and and the Lord just up at the school. And those times are very uh, precious. They're not low times. They're just part of a cycle of of ministry. But for me, probably the biggest challenge, like I wasn't the most gifted administrator or. You know, detailed uh, fundraiser type person. Uh, again, my heartbeat always was a direct ministry with kids, and so you know, I had uh, after a couple of years, we had several young life clubs happening in Carroll County. We had you know a lot of a good team of volunteer leaders, and uh, the finances would always be a challenge to, to any ministry. And so, uh, so I think some of the difficult times, the early times, where I feel like gosh I'm doing a great job with the kids work but then as we would get behind financially and so forth I'd I'd do what I could but um I kind of depended maybe a little bit more on the you know the committee or thinking gosh there's other people that it's part of their job to help you know raise the money that we need and that kind of thing but but you realize that hey <laughs> Everyone's a volunteer, and everyone's doing what they can do. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, I guess as I grew and and learned things, I realized that I have to, if anyone can do anything to help, th- that's great. But I guess my expectations kind of changed a little bit. Um, but there were some very th- difficult times. Um, and with the finances, it wasn't necessarily that, the money wasn't there, but I think personally, I I would feel like a failure, um, even though the ministry was going well. So the difficult thing for me would be at like Christmas time, for instance. Mm-hmm. I think the first December we were here, you know, after living in the apartment, you know, Karen was uh, of course working and being paid for what she was doing, and I remember uh, getting a paycheck. And at the time, they would just pay what came in, and I think forty-three cents came in. <laughs> forty-three cents. Forty-three cents for, the, for a month's work. The
0: stamps that they sent it to you cost more.
1: <laughs> yeah, and um, I, you know, I, I probably even though I knew some great stuff was happening, like for me personally, that it, it just it was difficult. I think it kind of my uh, my self worth, you know, whatever kind of insecurities are in my life, like that kind of thing. Like I yeah I would feel like what- what's wrong with me, you know like why um
0: why why is that Joe you you were packing kids on buses, taking them to camp, you were having large clubs, so from the field work perspective, you were successful yet when a forty three cent paycheck shows up it it kicks you in the teeth i mean what why is that why what is it about men, what is it about our self worth that things like that
1: impact yeah I, I guess it's just um you know insecurities uh maybe my background, you know my dad was a very hard worker and mm. blue collar worker, mm-hmm. and uh you know you wanna provide for your family and you know bring home a paycheck and uh send your kids to college and have a good home and things like that, so that stuff is kind of like ingrained in you and um uh, so to at least at that time and it wasn't the first time either yeah probably for years and years we would um there'd be an ebb and flow of the finances and some young life areas um maybe are are more supportive and there's more opportunities or more people that can raise money and that kind of thing but since that really wasn't my gift it just kind of depended on uh you know what was happening um I guess, with the things that we were trying to do. Yeah. Um, But thank goodness uh, my time on staff, um, that that didn't keep me from continuing on staff. So I am uh, very heartfelt thankful for Karen, for my wife, because she essentially was my partner in ministry, Mm -hmm. but she, during those times, would you know, she continued to work full time all those years. So, it, you know, put some pressure on you, you know, on, on your family. And, and it was very difficult for me to open up an, an envelope or, to, you know, to say to my wife, um, you know, I'm not getting paid this month. And sometimes people would, um that were aware of that would, would help out because you know, we were a young married couple living yeah. in, in an apartment. Yeah. And <laughs> we weren't, We didn't come from families that were very wealthy and that kind of thing. And so it really put a lot of pressure on us and Karen at times trying to figure out, all right, how can we pay the bills this month and and make it happen? So I would say that's probably the thing that would kind of stab me in the heart at times. But yet I knew that how can you put a price tag on a life that has changed? Hmm. And For me, I would always look at the kids who came to know Christ and would start to grow in their faith, and and I knew that it was real and it was meaningful and significant to them. And so, for me, that has always been, in a sense, the the paycheck. Yeah. Um, But consequently, you know, God certainly has taken care of us in our in our lives, uh, primarily through Karen's hard work as well as um just some family situations where um you were able to you know you get get some some help some inheritance type thing from you know people who had passed away and that kind of thing but um
0: Joe you've had an incredible career for 40 years in young life uh, 30 years in coaching but just prior to 2014 we all have seasons in our lives um, some of those things began to change for you. Can you just tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. It's unique that an area director would stay in one area as long as Karen and I have. So we um, lots of ebbs and flows, hundreds of different incredible stories and way ways that God had worked you know over those decades. But then there came a time where. Uh, you know, change is a, is a good thing, and you know, I think the areas I maybe wasn't as gifted in perhaps would become a, a little bit more evident over time. I think people appreciate my faithfulness and the work that has taken place in Carroll County, but, but there was time to uh, you know have a little bit of a change. So what took place was I then left the area director position and became a young life staff specialist. Which basically meant that I took a a cut in pay and could continue to focus on I think what my main strengths were in ministry. And I immediately, when we were looking for an area director to come in to take that position, I thought of Matt, who is the area director now. And Matt had been a volunteer leader for a number of years and We had a great relationship and worked in club together. And I thought, immediately thought of Matt, and I thought, gosh, this could be a great opportunity for him because he was a teacher and the head of a math department and felt called to do Young Life Ministry. And I immediately said, Matt, why don't you come back to Carroll County? So it really became like two were better than one. Hmm. Matt's very gifted as an administrator. He's very good with numbers. He's very good with details and fundraising and being extremely thorough with uh, running an area and, and things that I, I wasn't as strong with. So, so the two of us together, I think, was a, a real winning combination and, and ways that kind of freed me up to just continue to focus on direct ministry not quite having as much responsibility with the fundraising and the things like that, that
0: yeah and and you said change is
1: good but that doesn't necessarily make it easy c- correct so you uh if, when you're in ministry you continuously year after year you you keep asking yourself all right lord is this um, something you still want me to do people don't stay in ministry very long in terms of youth ministry. Like, I think the average amount of time may be something like two years, maybe less, and they move on to other things. So um, so for me to then make that adjustment and not be the main person, uh, even though, again, it it was very easy for me to um, have Matt... Take that leadership position as the area director because of our relationship. If it was someone else, it, it probably never would have would have worked. But during that time, you know, you do ask yourself, "All right, what is really my role now, and in what ways is God going to use me?" And then, just as an older person, it's like it was one thing when I was a a twenty something year old mm-hmm. coaching lacrosse and taking guys to games and. They loved hanging out with me, I guess, from their perspective at that point. I was probably pretty cool. But then here you are now, white-haired, uh, 64-year-old man, and it's just different. I think even though Christ is the same, obviously, and I always thought in ministry, it's, it's like, well, who doesn't want a big brother that, that loves them? Mm. And then it was like, well who doesn't want the father figure that, that loves them. And now it's like, Hey, who doesn't want a grandfather figure that really cares about you and, and loves you and wants to get to know you. So I kind of like thought like that, but, but you wonder, um, and what happened for me is, um, through cycle of change and, and so forth. Um, my own direct club, um, Kind of got to the point where it's like, gee, uh, we're just not getting the kids there that I want. And so I um, kind of like had a, a heartfelt kind of, all right, Lord, this I just don't want to just have a club, just to ha- have club and really not have the kids coming to it that I really want to reach. So in talking with uh, Karen and praying about it, you know, I made this decision that I'm not going to, I'm going to stop having club for a while. And I'm going to, that doesn't mean that young life stops. It just means that you focus on relationships and getting to know the kids who you want to have get involved. And so I remember praying, uh, and I'd coached all these years, but it was February, lacrosse season was going to start in March. And I was even wondering, uh, some years coaching, it's always a good thing, but there's more fruit certain years than other years and uh, the year prior to that wasn't very fruitful and it was fun and I got to know a lot of guys but they weren't all that interested in spiritual things or young life or anything like that so I had to uh I thought about I don't know if I'm gonna coach so sort of like a I'm just not really sure is is God maybe calling me out of ministry Hmm. is it it's time for me to focus on something else. And, again, I went back to that that passion and that desire that I had from the very beginning to well, who's going to be reaching these these guys or the people at the school. Um, obviously, other people can do it, but I still had that heart desire. Hmm. So I kind of... Prayed and I was like, Lord, just uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 came, came to mind. Uh, they were living sacrifices. And, I, you know, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. And I just said, God, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to invest in what I'm doing, the relationships I have. I'm going to really love the guys on the lacrosse team and serve them, try to be positive to them. Uh, live Christ in, in front of them hmm. in terms of just my actions and the way I coach and the way I treat them. And, and that really began a incredible couple of years that God just kind of took that and in faith, praying, and just happened to be the kind of thing that God orchestrated. So it was the right group of guys on that team that I got to know and as an older person somehow they uh, responded to me and I asked them at a cross party I uh, prayed with my son Camden and Guy Britton who uh, were potential new leaders which we needed at Century and I said we're going to bring the guys down here and show them the camp movie. We're going to Lake champion and I'm just going to ask them if uh, they're interested in going. we had had a great season. Like that season was the first undefeated season mm-hmm. that I was ever a part of. Mm-hmm. So there was a great chemistry and excitement and so forth. So a group of those guys, 14 lacrosse guys decided to, uh, Hey, that, that sounds like that'd be a lot of fun. And those guys went, uh, thinking after the movie, like within that week, you had 11 guys sign up and then a couple more. So, 14 guys from the lacrosse team end up going to camp. Only one of them had ever been to a young life club. And God obviously orchestrated that. And a number of those guys that week at camp, just like my life changed when I went to camp as a high school person, you know, there. They were amazed at, uh, at how fun the camp was and the people and but most importantly the the message of the gospel of Christ and the cross and the significance of that in terms of life so mm-hmm. they heard that message that week and a number of those guys responded to that and, I, and I'm just telling you from that was just amazing to me almost like a miracle that, that God wasn't done with me yet and was allowing me to be part of their stories that was just starting out. And so he took that group of guys, particularly some guys, um, you know, Zach and and, and Jacob and Max um, in particular um later some more guys that got involved, but um the next couple of years things just Kind of skyrocketed, and um, to the point where you know after two years, uh, the final year we went to Saranac and we had forty guys from Century High School that went, and then final year after that we we took one hundred and fifteen people from you new know, leaders and high school kids from Century, two busfuls to Frontier Ranch to Colorado where I kinda of got my start and there were I think it was um close to sixty five guys you know that were on that trip as well as the girls uh, that were there and um gosh just to be a part of that and I was like my goodness just so thankful that God kind of used me as well as uh my other leaders of course uh Camden and Britton were very instrumental. Um, Zach, who was a varsity lacrosse coach, he was very receptive because he was a believer to the, just the idea of me encouraging lacrosse guys' involvement and that kind of thing. So God just kind of orchestrated, and put all these pieces together. That was just like a perfect storm for God's kingdom that he orchestrated and allowed me to be a part of.
0: Well that's incredible Joe. What do you say to it? You've had this change and you got a new administrator and yet some some who you've known for some time is kind of moving you in a direction of retirement and yet the old man the grandfather <laughs> steps back up to the plate. He employs the basic fundamental techniques that he's done for 40 some years and he hits one out of the park. He's got this role where he's taken perhaps some of the largest amount of kids to camp in the whole Maryland regional area, and yet you did it. Some may have counted you out and said, Joe, let's move you towards retirement, but you employed something that you've been doing all the time to love kids as Christ loved us
1: and the way you wanted to be loved when you were that age. That is right, and I'm so thankful that— I never. I probably felt a little bit like I was kind of like being mm-hmm. replaced, p- pushed out. Uh, maybe the old guy <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have it anymore. Who knows? So, obviously, it will be one of the most memorable things in my life that yeah. God kind of took that situation and and again brought the most fruitful ministry ever. Yeah, th- those years and again, allowed me to be a, a part of that. So uh, I always wonder what it would have been like if, let's say, someone other than, than Matt came in and they didn't want the old guy around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, would, someone would have asked me to leave. And uh, you know, who, who knows? Because there certainly, at least at that time, wasn't a whole lot of visible fruit that was taking place. But, um, but God wasn't done with me yet.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, it's really something to be proud of in a humble kind of way, of course, really.
1: C- correct. Yeah. But, I, but I, again, I would say it, it obviously is way more about about the Lord orchestrating things and bringing stuff together. Obviously, I was thankful to be a part of it. I had kind of like a front row seat, but to be— Sorry, it's, it's a little okay. mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, emotional— but to be at Frontier Ranch, and gosh, that there there was over sixty kids that stood up like at the say so, mm-hmm. and you just realized what God did, and the lives that were going to be eternally different as a result of that. Yeah. And, um, again, that God allowed you to be a part of that. It's like gosh, what what greater thing can that be?
0: Yeah. and What if you had said.
2: I'm too old to do this anymore. You know, I, I think
1: that probably would not have happened because mm. um, God used my role as a lacrosse coach to build those, those initial relationships, again, with a group of guys that were, um, were, you know, were listening. We're paying attention. And somehow they saw something in me that they were attracted to, that they trusted themselves to go with me on this this trip. But they're not really knowing anything about Young Life. But again, to see their lives during that week just change because of just the camp and, again, all the things that I experienced when I was at camp, just seeing the people and having fun and seeing Christ in a very real, genuine way. but then for them to come back from that and to make commitments to Christ while there and and then the fruit that came out of that. And so this group that group has just gone on to do great things. Many of them are are young life leaders. Um, many of their families have been impacted as, as a result of them coming to know Christ. Uh so I I get to kind of look at all that fruit and it's like gosh how th- Thankful and grateful I am to have been a part of that, and to be a part of those stories. So, anyway, that's incredible. So, so
0: Joe, tell me, here's the old guy. He's still out there getting it. He's on the field now, and we had the privilege to go out a week ago and put a microphone on you, which our listeners are going to hear a few clips of that uh, during this time. And and what we notice is that you're still doing the same things. You're spending time with a team. With the players, you weren't berating them, belittling them. You weren't grabbing them by the helmets and looking them in the eyeballs and saying, you need to do this. You were still winning the right to be heard, weren't you? Still, that's still how you do it.
1: Good job, fellas. Just get, get a drink, okay? Hey, nice job attacking you guys are you guys are getting looks, you're know, getting shots. So no problem. The d- defense claps on you. Just pipe. make that pass. I yeah, that's right. We we'll get get a drink. You know, there's no reason why we, you guys can't be fresh to go. Yes, and th- that story still remains, in a sense, to be to be written. Mm. My hope is that um, who I am as as a person, uh, not just as a coach. That, that something's there that that guys see there are a couple of these guys who uh who are involved with young life, you know a couple of them are going to go to camp this summer, mm-hmm. but my heart still aches for the the number of guys that still don't quite quite get it, and again, it's a God thing, it's like God's spirit has to work in a way that that something kind of grabs hold of them. It'd be great if it was just a formula that you know, A plus B is going to mm-hmm, equal C mm-hmm. all the time. But there's years where uh, there's there's not as much as much fruit. Yeah. However, the w- the basics of what you're talking about just just trying to love kids where they're at, asking them questions about their their lives. You know, how are they doing? You know, talk to them about their family. You know, when you're in a situation where you know that something painful has happened in their life, just walking alongside of them and that they know that you're someone that they can talk to. Uh, You know, I always do that type of thing. Um, But that 2014 undefeated season was repeated in 2018. Mm -hmm. And we have one more game this year and we can be undefeated this year. So, I think what you uh, experienced being with those guys for over two months, just day in and day out practicing and being with them and uh, helping them to become not only good lacrosse players, but, you know, the other coaches that I coach with, like we, we do care a lot about character and what type of young men are they becoming and uh, just those values. So we at times we'll take time to just talk about that and, you know, respect for each other, respect for the coaches, administrators, uh, the other team. Like, how do you carry yourself? Not just as a player on the field, but off the field. Respect for for girls. Hmm. Um, at times, you know, you have opportunities just to kind of talk about that. Sometimes one on one, and and just in conversation, just standing on on the field. But um, but there. There have been you know, a group of fourteen guys, for instance, not all of them really pursued their faith in their life, mm. and there there is a negative side of it where, even though our Young Life Club grew to almost two hundred people and all these people at the Frontier, you know, there was a group that became almost like anti-Young Life and. For whatever reason, so I I would say life is a battle. Ministry is a battle, and the pressures that young people feel, the strongholds in their life that pulls them away from pursuing a faith are, are very real and and very evident. It'd be great if they all responded, and uh, what you wanted to share with them would resonate with them. And it breaks your heart Mm -hmm. because you, you know how their life can be so much more full. Yeah. If they go through life having a foundation of faith. But um you know, God allows people to reject and walk away. Mm. And so that's the kind of thing that breaks my heart when you know someone has had an opportunity, but they they just don't quite get it. But for me, um we had a practice on a Saturday and I got went up to school early. And, of course, there's nobody in the school. It's probably about 6.30 in the morning, but I have keys to the school because I'm a coach. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of went in there and thought, yeah, I'm going to just walk around the school a little bit. So I went up into the lobby, and they have a bench there. And then there's a, a fountain, and then it comes down the, the wall, like a water fountain type thing. And, and then they have plaques of high school kids who who had passed away, mm-hmm. some tragically killed, and mm-hmm. Things like that. And so I just kind of sat there and I thought about the, again, thousands, you know, hundreds of kids, the thousands, some kids that just walked through that lobby. And I was kind of envisioning them and, you know, just praying, praying for them, praying for the school, and just thinking, gosh, who again is going to be the people that are going to try to reach out to them and show them the, the love of Christ? And you're very much aware of everything that's pulling them away. And, but what I, it was a special moment for me because I, again, realized that in my heart, you know, God was still giving me a heart and a desire for those kids to know Christ. But it it's God's deal. I think our job is to be faithful, to show up, to give opportunity and and to to pray, and then to to love as best as you can. Try to give yourself away to the kids who who are there. But but I would say there are kids that just, again, reject that. Mm. There's kids that become involved with Young Life, maybe go to camp and seem to have a a life change, and then they walk away. And there's a lot of kids at the school that are like that, Mm -hmm. and you kind of see them, and they might say hi, or they might kind of look the other direction, and So that's the kind of stuff that that breaks my heart. Yeah, Joe,
0: you've built quite the reputation over the years, one, doing Young Life, but also being a coach. In fact, I heard the the term said, they call him coach. And what do you, right now, as we, we bring our show to a close tonight, as a coach, as a guy who walked and still walks beside young men, and high school students for the last 40-plus years, what do you say to them? I mean, to the folks listening right now, what would the coach tell us in terms of life going forward
1: that we need to focus on? Well, I would say in life uh, you're going to face a lot of difficulties. There's going to be a lot of circumstances that are really going to challenge you and uh, obstacles, um, disappointments, decisions you might make in life that have consequences to you and and to those that you love. Um and it's not gonna be easy. High school years are, are, are great, but as you continue through life, it's not gonna be just about how much money you make or how big your house is or, you know, what possessions you have or how popular you might be. Or how good you might be at your job or whatever. I mean, all those things are are fine, but the thing that's going to carry you through life, especially through the difficulties, is really going to come down to your your personal beliefs and and your the faith in in your life. That's going to get you through the storms that are going to happen, and the storms will happen. Mm-hmm. You know, people are going to die, people are going to get cancer, or you know, tragically. Uh, have something happen to them, Um, you know, you're going to run into situations where those that you love perhaps might make some poor decisions that not only impact them, but impact you. You can have, uh, eventually you're going to have a family that you you may have children and, you know, how are you going to raise them? How are you going to love them? What are you going to give to them? That's, you know, life changing and life given for them, and to go through life uh, without having a faith, I I just can't imagine how uh, people make it. Like, what it what it really is their anchor, hmm. what's going to hold things together when the storm comes. The storm storms are going to come. Uh, you know, my dad died from leukemia. Um, you know, we have family members who have had cancer and passed away. Uh, very, you know, difficult type life situations. Um, and thank goodness, if you have a faith, you know, God's going to walk alongside of you in the midst of that storm, and He's going to be there. Hmm. He's He's going to bring hope in, in situations that maybe seem hopeless. So. My heart's desire is like, gosh, like for anybody, you, know, you want them to go through life, you know, having life to the full. And that can only happen through having a strong faith in in, in Christ. Yeah. I mean, he's the creator of life. Absolutely. Um, so I wish that um, more people would, would, would see that. Yeah. But I hope they remember when those storms come. Uh, I wonder if this old coach I had uh, <laughs> might be helpful in some way. Um, if they don't become involved, you know, with directly getting involved with Young Life and that kind of thing, um, where you have more direct opportunity with through that relationship. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always happen, but when it does happen, it, and you know that God has worked incredibly, you just rejoice in that. Amen. And. There's lacrosse guys whose lives have been impacted. I mean, it it just thrills me. Uh, This past uh, January, after Christmas, um, some alumni wanted to get together from Century that were part of that group and have a weekly gathering, a weekly Bible study since they were there. On winter break, you know, there's 25, 30. post high school uh young people that are in the basement having a bible study mm. talking about what it means to follow Christ in college and uh yeah it was just unbelievable so, so just to know that 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 came out of those years is just uh, an incredible blessing, but at the same time you know I had a sister in law that was dying from cancer Mm -hmm. that was in a hospital bed up in our kitchen and in the basement who of course she was a strong believer in her faith and our faith was very real you know during her her battle with uh, with cancer. But in the basement, you know, you have again these young people, twenty somethings that they're gonna go through their lives and they're gonna face many difficulties, but they have that foundation of faith. So
0: Yeah. Luke, uh me and the youngest one sitting in here right now, uh, anything you want to ask the coach before we bring our time to a close tonight?
3: Uh yeah. Uh Joe, you had talked about just um having Christ be be that grounding element, that rock in the in the hard times but also in the good times. Uh, Just as important that we don't forget that when when things are good and think that we don't have need because we do uh, every day. And I think it was um, really something that we're ending on that note that you have this group of young people in the basement who are excited to build upon that rock while upstairs someone in their last moments must now really lean into that rock. Uh, especially and as well as those around her, and just to see both sides of that, but how no matter those currents of life, the and the the uh crests and troughs that rock is the same correct, and
1: again, there's many other stories, but mm-hmm. obviously even my own son and and my father um, when he had leukemia and knew that he was going to die you know as a you know eighty Three eighty-four 84 year old person, um, he was living with us. And, um, for my son and I to be able to, uh, to talk to him and, and Camden, who he actually, he was eight years old at that time, but he wrote a prayer for my dad that my father, his, his pop, you know, my father read, which was a prayer of, of believing in God and trusting in God. And then for my dad to, uh, Respond to that and respond to Camden's love for him, who, uh, Camden, you know, became uh, a follower of Christ and, um, uh, a whole other story with his whole involvement as a leader. And he's on Young Life staff now and all that with his wife, Nicole. But, um, but my dad, you know, through again, leukemia, prays with me and asks Christ into his heart. Base, basically weeks before he passes away from leukemia, so for so, so for me to again, you're experiencing cr- Christ in a challenging time where He's doing something incredible in a life and death situation. My dad was a type that he wouldn't um, uh, express love or verbally love or emotion, although you knew they he uh, loved you. But uh, the last words, my dad spoke to me. When he, uh, this is literally like the day before he he dies, like early in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, he called me Joey. Mm. (laughs) But he says, Joey, I want want to tell you something. And Camden was with me and he was in a hospital bed, you know, being taken to an elevator to try to get something else done. And he said, I just want you to know that I love you. And what a gift. To me. But yes, you know, Christ is real, uh, even through the difficult times. Um, and that's what I want young people to have because they're going to be in those kind of situations in life where they have loved ones that are facing death. And you want the hope of eternity that's found through your faith in Christ to be there for, for everybody. Um,
0: Coach, that's, that's incredible, and it's been an incredible story and journey that you've taken us on tonight, and it's been an honor to hear your story and the encouraging words that you have left us with, and we want to thank you for joining Restless, the podcast tonight.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Coach. Thank you all. Nice. Yeah, beautiful, guys.
2: sweet. That guys, great. that's
1: lacrosse right there. Make a couple passes, you look for the open guy, look what happens. Hey, let's get that gold midfield ready. Great job, fellas. Good job, attack. Good job, midfield. Nice
0: job, Jake. Nice job, Tay. Lateef. Everybody.
1: All right, let's go, Hunter. That was pretty. You, you got to admit. Gosh, this is what we like to see all the time.
3: Thank you for listening to episode six of Restless the Podcast, titled They Call Him Coach, featuring Joe. We here at Restless the Podcast have hearts restless to find the one who said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For whom is your heart restless? And for today, whom will coach your heart on the fields of life?